Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Trey's been handing out some paper, and he's just been, uh, we're going to have a little fill in the blank as we, as I preach tonight. Um, I thought that I would maybe accommodate some type A personalities, you know? I'm, I'm always doing some visuals, but I'm never doing any, like, lists or anything, you know? So here I am just helping out some uh, people that like to write and learn. So uh, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 11, uh, Chapter number one, through uh, chapter eleven, sorry, verse one through verse number three, and it says, uh, "I believe we're going to go through the New King James version." Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison, that's John the Baptist had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And said to them, are you, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Are you the coming one? Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that the scriptures have been foretelling for, for of, or have we missed it? Have we just, you know, thought that you were the one? I mean, it kind of looked good, but are you truly the one, or are we to look for another? And tonight, for just a few moments, I'd like to preach on this uh, subject, questions for God, questions for God. As a toddler, uh, uh, anybody who has a toddler, you might know that a toddler's favorite question is what? Why? That's right. Why? 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 Uh, that, qu- that question is probably every child between the age of four and ten's favorite question. For some reason, every one of those children turns into an Einstein on their fourth or fifth birthday, and they decide that they need to inquire about everything. And once you have given them the answer to their inquiry, then they need to ask you why that answer is what that answer is, right? And then uh, this incredibly uh, annoying uh, cycle continues until the parent is finally fed up, right? No, you cannot have one more cookie. Why? No, you cannot stay up any later. Why? The moon only comes out at night. Why? It can almost be any answer that you give, and the question right back to you will be why. If you are not a parent, then undoubtedly you have been that child. We've all been that child that has asked that question nonstop. Now, the great part about all the parents in this room is that you are incredibly kind and patient with all of your children, and you have nothing but unconditional love for all of them. But after hearing this question, after a very long day at work or, or doing what you do, uh, finally enough is enough. This vicious cycle needs to end, and it typically results in one parent or another responding with the same answer that I believe has been given to all kids throughout all ages, throughout all time. There it is. Because I said so, that's why. There, yes. And if you were anything like me, you might have tried to push one or two more times, But you knew 
In that moment, that mom or dad said, because I said so, that's why. In that moment, the questioning game was over. It's done. I I remember one time my mom threw this one at me. Y is a crooked letter that can't be straightened. And I I was sitting there like, what does that even mean? What? (laughs) You've heard that one. Okay, Y is a crooked letter that can't be straightened. I sat there, I was like... You're confused. Like, she beat me with her brain, like IQ, right? Like, but as children, we're stuck there sitting, uh, asking why, and finally running into an impatient parent saying, enough's enough, because I said so. Many times, growing up in or around church, you may have been taught a similar thing about God, that he, like that patient parent, uh, will answer maybe a question or two, but eventually enough's enough, and because I said so, that's why should be good enough for all of us. So we feel like we are being told by God, hey, because I said so, now shut up. You are just to accept whatever happens to you in your life and, and maybe never question God. In fact, some have even been told it's sacrilegious to question God. What are you doing questioning God? It's sacrilegious. And yet, it is in the moments of wrestling with our faith. It is in the moments of walking through the valleys. It is in the moments of talking to God and asking questions of our God that our faith grows and becomes stronger. David and the other psalmists often ask questions of God. In fact, one that stuck out in my mind while I was preparing my message is how come evil people around me, the people that have no respect for God, and uh, no respect for his ways, how come I see those people succeeding? It's not fair, God. And yet, here I am, God, doing my best, trying to live right, live a holy lifestyle, and it feels like I'm running into a brick wall. What's up with this, God? Why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? And all throughout the Psalms, it doesn't take you until Psalms literally... uh, I believe it's seven, and then multiple times throughout the rest of the Psalms, you see the psalmist asking questions of God, asking God, inquiring of God, what is the purpose for what you're doing in these moments? God, what is up with how you're handling your business? See, oftentimes in these questioning moments, we can get a little frustrated with God, almost have like a shake your fist at heaven moment. God, I've been praying for that financial blessing and giving like you told me to give, and still I'm not seeing any change in my finances. God, I've been praying for my children, and I don't see any change in their behavior. God, I've been praying for help with my temper, with my uh, personality, and doesn't seem like anything is changing. God, my anxiety keeps getting worse and worse, and I've been praying for you to help. What's up, God? God, I've been praying and believing you for a healing, and it's still not happened. What are you doing, God? Are you even paying attention? I've been praying for my neighbor to come to church, and they seem less interested than ever. And yet, here's the first blank. It is in the valley moments It is in the valley moments that our questions can feel so big, and yet our God can feel so small. 
It's in the valley moments, in those low points in life, in those hard times, in those times where we feel like the sun is never going to shine again, in those moments where we feel like we're not in control, we have no control, and we all we know is to trust God, and yet he seems so small and incapable of answering our questions. We all love the mountaintop moments. If you don't, um, let's talk about it later because you're strange. But we love mountaintop moments. We love feeling like our answers are, are coming our way. We love feeling like our prayers are making it past the ceiling. And we love those moments where we feel like God is responding and talking to us. But you need to understand there's a reason why farmers plant their crops in valleys and not on mountaintops. Because it's in the valleys that things grow. It's where the rain runs to. It's in those places that things develop. See, God is not always as concerned about whether or not you are questioning Him and questioning what is going on in your world or your situation. But are you growing through this situation? See, he's not concerned, I'm repeating that, but he's not concerned about whether or not you're questioning because questioning's not wrong. Questioning isn't a bad thing, but are you growing through the situation that you are in? The next little space there, we are more worried about getting out of situations rather than looking at what God is doing in the situation. We are more worried about getting out of situations rather than looking at what God is doing in the situation. God, I'm done with this. I'm over it already. I'm tired of this sickness. I'm tired of this this anxiety. I'm tired of feeling like I have no friends. I'm tired of feeling lonely. I'm tired of feeling um, uh, done wrong. I'm tired of feeling bitter. I'm ready to be out of this already. But what is God wanting to do in you through these moments? Some of us need to start saying in the tough times, what is God trying to teach me in this moment? I've questioned him and questioned him and questioned him, and it doesn't feel like I'm getting the answers that I want, but what is he trying to teach me in this moment? And that right there is a sign of spiritual maturity. It's all of a sudden saying, okay, God, the easy way would be the nice way, but what are you trying to teach me here? What is it, God, that I can learn from this? A story that I heard that I thought was so cool. There was a woman, and she was extremely poor, and she was extremely hungry, had no money for for any food, no money for groceries. And uh, she decided, you know what, in this moment, I'm just going to sing. I'm going to praise. I'm going to worship. And she starts to sing, Jesus loves me. This I know. I know. Nice, simple Sunday school song. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Well, this lady, she had a neighbor who was a very staunch atheist, and he was annoyed by this woman, annoyed in her faith, annoyed, just thought it was kind of silly, kind of a little, you know, childish, if you will, and he decided he was going to play a little prank, a little trick on her, and he decides, I'm going to go, and I'm going to buy her groceries, and I'm going to put them on her porch when she's not looking. And then, so he goes ahead and he does just that. He goes out to the grocery store and here's this woman still singing her songs, doing her life. She's, she hasn't gained any more finances. And she wakes up in the morning and she opens her door and there she is with groceries on her, on her front step. And out loud she said, God did it. God did it. God did it. 
she's excited, ecstatic, if you will. And, and this man comes running out and he goes, no, he didn't. You're so dumb. What do you mean he didn't? She's like, he did it. Look, I've got groceries. And he said, no, he didn't. Understand, woman, I bought these groceries for you. And she said, no, no, no. God did it. God did it. God did it. And he said, look, I'm the one that went to the grocery store. I'm the one that picked them up. I'm the one that dropped them off. And she said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. God did it. God did it. God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. Right? She understood She understood that even though my situation isn't quite the way I want it to be, it would be a whole lot easier to have finances in my bank and go and buy my own groceries. But I know that even in the midst of this situation, my God is still in control. And yes, I have questions. How's this going to work out, God? But in this situation, I'm learning to trust him. It's easy to look at a situation that we're walking through and point at God and say, what? is wrong with you, God. What's wrong with you? Are you not aware of my situation? Situation? Are you not aware of the hurt that I'm facing? Are you not aware? That woman that I just spoke of could have said at any moment, come on, God, I'm hungry. Pastor spoke about some ravens delivering food the other day. And like, she could have been like, okay, there's some birds on that, you know, telephone wire. Send them, you know, send them to Cain. Send them somewhere for me. Instead, even in the midst of the situation, she was able to sing, able to praise, able to say, God, I know you're working all things together. And it can be easy to think, well, God, maybe he's just not strong enough, right? Or, oh, man, it looks like the devil won this time. But we need to understand that even when things don't turn out the way we want them to, it's not because the big bad devil won, but it's because like Isaiah 55 says, God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In fact, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. Now let me ease your mind and here's the next blank. You are not the first person to question God. You're not the first person to question God. I know that's... that's, that's mystifying, almost stupefying a little bit. But you're not. You're not the first person. In fact, one of the greatest men of the entire Bible is famously known for questioning God. And we're going we're gonna to kind of slow the brakes and talk about him for a minute. But John the Baptist, John the Baptist, the one whose birth was foretold, just like Mary with Jesus. And, I mean, there was a, an angel showed up and said, you're going to have a child. And his mom's name was Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth, the Bible literally says this, when Elizabeth got around Mary, that the child in her womb started to leap. It was like going crazy. He's like doing backflips. He's like, I'm in the presence of Jesus. He was pumped. There was a, a connection between John and Jesus. They were cousins, and John was sent with one purpose, one purpose, and that purpose was he's going to lay the, the foundation for the ministry of Jesus. This man was called to prepare the way for Jesus. He started preaching repentance out in the middle of the wilderness. And people would come from miles around to hear his message. Now, he wasn't just talking to just, you know, them old good city folk. He was talking to the the scribes and the Pharisees. I mean, this guy was some sort of uh, sideshow attraction because he was attracting all sorts of people. And I, I guess, you know, 
I don't know if he ate locusts and wild honey. The Bible tells us he ate locusts and wild honey. I don't know if he was, like, doing that in front of all these people, and that was part of the attraction. Like, let's go watch that weird guy eat locusts. I don't know. But he was dressed in camel's clothes. Like, I mean... Uh, camel skin, like he was a unique figure, but he's just preaching there. I'm baptizing you in water, but there comes one greater than I that will baptize you in fire. He was called out. He was, he was put aside with a purpose. He was separated from birth for a cause. And there comes one, he would say, there comes one greater than I whose sandals I'm unworthy of even undoing. This guy understood his role. He understood, I mean, this is a great guy right here. This, and then finally, Jesus shows up on the scene, acting as an example to all of us to be baptized. And says, John, you got to baptize me. And John, in his very humble fashion, bends the knee and says, no, 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 no. You need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, this is, this is, this is the way, it's okay, John. This is the way it's supposed to happen. So John baptizes Jesus, and in that moment, the heavens open up, and a dove descends, and a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, talk about some powerful moments. Like, we're not just talking about some guy on the sidelines. We're talking about a guy who's in the mix of the story of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just a mere 50 days or so after baptizing Jesus that the ministry of Jesus would begin. Like, that's what we're talking about. He baptizes Jesus, and just two months later, here's Jesus turning water into wine at at, at a wedding. Like, we're talking about a man who had a very important role to play. And yet we're about to see he was questioning Jesus. He was questioning God. So Jesus' ministry begins. Here he goes in the midst of Canaan and in the midst of Galilee and all around. And John continues his ministry, his ministry of repentance. It didn't stop. He's still telling people that they need to turn from sin. He's still telling people that they need to turn from their wrongdoing. And finally, his ministry gets in the face of the wrong person. See, King Herod, who is trying to marry his brother's wife, uh, yeah, John gets up in his face and he says, yeah, King, what you're doing, yeah, that's wrong. Cut it out. That's sinful. God doesn't like it. And, I mean, like you all imagine, King Herod invites them in and they have cake together, right? No, no, no. King Herod's like, dude, shut up, and he throws him in prison. And all of a sudden, here's John, who's done nothing but lived the life that God's called him to live. I mean, if we want to talk about a next to perfect man, there was no perfect man but Jesus Christ. But here's John the Baptist, and he's living the life as well as he can. And yet here he is, ending up in a jail cell to rot to death. You want to talk about a situation where you might have a question or two for God and not really see why am I going through this? You might want to talk about a situation where this doesn't make sense. I don't see the big picture here. And yet, there was a bigger picture. It was not fair. He'd done all that God had called him to do. And that's where we find John in the midst of this situation. In the midst of a trial not knowing how it was all going to work out. And he starts to question. I mean, really question. He starts to wonder, can Jesus deliver me from jail? Can Jesus do anything? 
Is he even who he says he is? Is he even the Messiah? I mean, this guy just, I just described a situation where he baptized Jesus. The skies open up. A voice from heaven calls out, says, this is my beloved son. A dove from heaven comes. I mean, this is a pretty, like, powerful moment. And here is a man questioning, is he even who he says he is? So John does what any wise man would do, I guess. He calls his disciples he says, all right, I need you to run an errand for me. And he says, now, I don't know about all the other people that run errands here, but he makes a checklist for them. I can promise you if I do not have a checklist, I will forget something. And John obviously thought his disciples might be the same way. So he makes a checklist. He says, all right, I, I have some questions for Jesus, y'all. And I need you to find out if this man is who he says he is. And he takes out the checklist. He says, okay, I, I know what the scriptures say. Now, they didn't have the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They didn't have the, you know, the book of Acts. They didn't have all that. But what they had was the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah is one of the most uh, chock-full books of the messianic prophecies. And the the Messianic prophecies had some pretty powerful things. In fact, it said that the Messiah would open up blind eyes. It also said that he'd unstop deaf ears. It says that he would cause the dead to arise, and it also said that he would set the captives free and that prisoners would be set free. And so John the Baptist, he, he sends his disciples with this checklist and they go and they show up and Jesus is in the midst of his 12 disciples hanging out, just doing his thing. And, and, and they just kind of disturb him. Hey, Jesus, yeah, we're, we're those guys. We were with John. Do you remember us? Yeah, 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 okay. Well, he's in prison now, as you may know. And we have some questions. He has a question for you. Do you mind if we ask? And Jesus is like, yeah, go ahead. And they said, are you the one that we're looking for? Or should, we, should we find another? And in verse Verse chapter, uh, uh, verse number four, he responds to them. And he says, here's what I want you to tell John. Go ahead and tell John. Let me, let me pull up the scripture right here real quick. Verse four. Jesus replied and said, go back and report to John what you hear and see. Tell him the blind receive their sight. And right there, puts a big check mark and the disciples are like, all right, here we go. Tell him the lame walk and those who have leprosy are cleansed. Tell them the deaf hear. Boom. Two for two. Jesus, you're, you're batting 100, man. This is great. Tell them the deaf hear. Tell them. Oh. Whoa, there we go. We'll lose. That's okay. Here we go. Tell them the dead are raised, and they check it off. And I'm sure they're sitting there with bated breath, wondering if Jesus is going to finish what he started in this reading of Scripture. Because if he's, going to re, if he's going to do what he says he can do, and if he really is who Isaiah has prophesied him to be, then John is sitting there going, I'm in for some good news right now. Because if he can do all these other things, then he's going to set the captives free. He's going to set the prisoners free. And yet, 
here's Jesus. And he throws a curveball. And instead of telling his disciples that I'm going to set the prisoner free, Jesus turns to him and he says, blessed. And let's read this right here. Verse 5, the blind receive the sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then he stops. He doesn't finish the scripture and says, instead he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. Blessed is he. So instead of saying, oh yeah, and I'm here to set open all these prisons, he said, instead he says, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. All of a sudden, John is stuck wrestling with a God who is not answering his questions the way he's supposed to answer his questions. All of a sudden, his disciples are sent back with a big X next to the prison being set free. And John is stuck going, what do you mean he's not coming to set me free? What do you mean I have to rot in this jail? What do you mean God isn't doing things the way I want them to be done? What? Wait a minute, Jesus. That's not what your word says. You're you're supposed to set me free. I'm, I'm just reading your word. You're supposed to come through the way I need you to come through, the way I believe your word says you're supposed to come through. And John finds himself in a place that many of us find ourselves at times. And if you have space at the bottom, here's the last thing I want you to write down. And this is where John found himself. How are you going to respond when God answers your question in a way that you are not expecting? How are you going to respond when God answers your question in a way that you are not expecting? It is this question that we must all struggle with and wrestle with. What if God doesn't come through the way I want him to? I mean, I believe he can. Please do not let this sermon in any way deter you from the thought that I believe our God is almighty that he can do all things at all times, at any time. He's all-powerful. Miracles still do exist. I believe cancers are healed. I believe that death, dead do rise. I believe that blind can see. I believe that the lame can't walk. But what happens when our God doesn't answer the way that we're expecting him to answer? A powerful quote by an amazing author named Gene Edwards talking about this very subject Uh, has God talking to John, and he says, When I called you, John, and I told you that you would announce the coming of the Messiah, you assumed that because you were going to prepare the way for me, you you would have the joy of seeing that wonderful day of my coming in glory. But today, you have met a God you do not understand. Such is the mystery of my sovereignty. Such are my ways in every generation. No man has ever understood me, not fully, No man ever will. I will always be something other than what men expect me to be. I will work out my will in different ways, different than what men foresee. And so that puts us in a position. Are we going to trust the God that we can't always make sense of? Are we going to trust the God that we're, well, that was different, but it hurts, God. And he sits there and goes, I know, and I still love you. Uh, uh, are you still going to believe God is good even when 
It doesn't always look that way. But I don't understand, God. He, he says, I know. But my grace is sufficient for thee. And I'm here. And I laid down my life for you. And, I, and I'm always with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be your strength. I will be your peace. But I don't understand why this has to happen this way. I, I know. And the question we have to ask, are, are we still going to live our lives looking towards a future with God in heaven, even in the midst of a struggle that we don't always understand? It's not always easy. It can be downright hard. But we serve a great God who's in control at all times. I know just two weeks ago I got the opportunity to speak at LifePoint on Wednesday night, and I said, God, he works all things together for good for those that love God, and, are, and he does. And I believe he's got the big picture, and he's working all things together. We're walking through the book of Revelation, and it's so cool how God is just raising people up, tearing people down, raising kingdoms and countries, tearing kingdoms and countries down, all with one purpose in mind, and that's the church, the taking away, the capturing away of the church. It all works together for the good of those that love God and called according to his purpose. See, in spite of all that we know and in spite of all that we might feel, because feelings are tough, we need to understand God's sovereign. He's got this. He's got it. He's got your life. What you're walking through, your situation that's staring you in the face and you're going to bed at night going, why? Why is this? God's got it. And he's going to work it together for good. Let's all stand. I have one story I, I, I want to share with y'all. It was actually my wife, she, she shared it with me just a couple weeks back. But Miss Penny pulled my, my wife aside literally just a couple weeks ago, and she said, I, I know this might sound a little weird, but I need to share this with you. And it's one of the, it was really, really, I mean, it was neat to me. She said, Lizzie, you don't know this, but my, I have two siblings that were miscarried. I had two siblings, a brother and a sister that were miscarried, and they didn't come full term. And, and she said, I've all, ever since I've been saved, I've always prayed, God, are, are, how are they doing? Are they in heaven? Like, what's going on with them? And she said, Lizzie, I've, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those prayers I prayed, and I've kind of just let go, you know, as I've matured in my Christianity. And she said, I was praising, and she sat, it was one of the Wednesdays or Sundays she was sitting back here, and, and she said, we, we had just gone through our own miscarriage. And Lizzie, uh, she came to Lizzie, and she said, you know, I, God spoke to me tonight. And Lizzie said, oh, okay, cool. And she said, tonight God told me that my, my brother and sister, they're around their throne and they're worshiping and that they've got somebody to teach them to worship. And she said, in fact, he told me that it was little Hannington that was teaching my brother and sister how to worship around the throne. And, and you know what? That might sound crazy. It might sound absolutely crazy. But I was walking through a very tough time. I mean, Lizzie and I were hurting, y'all. We were, we were hurting. And, and I remember driving home on that Wednesday night, and I cried in my driveway. I thought, man, that's so cool. My little baby's up there praising God. That's awesome. And in that moment, Miss Penny didn't know what she was, you know, what the, all the feelings that we were feeling. 
But in that moment, I was able to find so much peace because somebody said, you know, you might not understand what you're going through. You might be hurting and have questions, but God, through a a, a wonderful woman, was able to speak just a simple little thought into our lives. And Lizzie and I, we we sat up in our bed and we talked about it. We were like, that's a really neat thought. That's so cool. And you know, it didn't make our situation, really, it didn't make it easier by any means. We still had questions. God, we were excited. We were supposed to have a baby on December 25th. And we were really excited about that. But in that moment, there was this peace. And our God swept into our room. He just said, I've got you guys. I've got your future. I've got, I've got it all. And so I don't know what you're going through. And I, I don't pretend to know why God works the way that God works. Or understand why or how God does what God does. And I don't understand his sovereignty. I don't, I don't totally get it. I don't get it. But I know he's in control. And I know he's got your life. I know that you might be walking through what you're walking through. Going, God, I'm scared. I'm just walking by faith right now. I'm just, I'm walking through this situation. I don't know what the outcome's going to look like. Uh, you know, I don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. But God, I'm trusting you. And tonight, there just might be some people in this room, that's all you can do. But I want you to know you're trusting a good God. You're trusting a great God. And I know that living for a future in heaven is always the right way to live. Because even if there is pain on this earth, even if there is hurt on this earth, one day we are going to be in a place where he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more hurt. There will be no more pain. There will be no more death and sorrow. And we're going to a place where our Savior, we will be around a throne crying, holy, holy, holy. And so tonight, I want us to just lift our hands. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know the situations that you carried into this room tonight. And you might have some questions. Maybe you're like John the Baptist looking at a a, a jail cell. But I just want you to know your God is in control. He cares. It might not feel like that all the time, but he cares. And he is working on your behalf. Jesus' name, I pray over life point right now. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the preaching of God's Word. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.